I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Um, Jacoby's going to continue to be reading for us throughout this series. Um, and one of the things is we think the word of God is important in the worship of God. And uh, Jack has an incredible pastoral presence and teaching ability. So thank you for that. Um, uh, I'm excited about doing Alchemy of Joy. And tonight, I don't think that's mine, but I'll drink it anyway. Um, we're going to talk about the joy in decision making. All right. I don't know what you think of when you think of decisions, whether you're paralyzed with anxiety and fear about making the wrong one, or if you're just an overconfident, arrogant jerk who just thinks, hey, I'm right, and if everybody would do what I'd say, the world would be a better place. Either way, I think the gospel has something good for you tonight. Has anybody made any bad decisions yet this week? I have. Uh, one of you are like, yeah, come in here might be one. Uh, it's better get good quick. Uh, I woke up Monday morning early, good decision. Spent time with Jesus, great decision. Decided to go work out, awesome decision. Stepped outside, it felt like fall, even better decision. Uh, but then I was a little bit chilly and I drive a 2000 uh, Jeep Wrangler with no doors on it because wind is therapy for my soul. And my wife was blocking me in in her minivan, bad decision. So I go inside, grab the keys, the house is still asleep. I'm going to be out and back hopefully before most everybody wakes up or some of the kids will be to school. And I start the car up to um, back it out so I can get my Jeep. And I thought, ooh, this is kind of nice. My wife's got leather interior because um, she hogs all the money in our family. <laughs> and I'm realizing it's, what, 70 degrees. It's probably going to be 65 with wind chill factor. And I don't want to mess up my hair when I go work out. Just kidding, that's not true. Um, and I think, wow, my backside's kind of cold. Seat warmers, <laughs> great decision. So I think I'll just take the minivan and rock on up there. Um, and I'll be back before she needs it, which is usually after all the kids get on the bus and go to school around 9 o'clock. So I'm halfway through my workout. I'm hanging out with my best buddy and trainer, uh, Daniel Johnson. And we're uh, having good gospel conversations going back and forth. And I want to show him something that happened uh, at my house during the weekend. I go grab my phone and I'm going to show him a picture. And I have three missed calls from my wife. And I have three text messages. Where are you? Question mark. Did you take the minivan? Today is Power Monday, and I have to drive seven middle schoolers to school, and they will not fit in your Jeep. <laughs> Last text message, never mind, I asked our neighbor. <laughs> Bad decision, apparently. <laughs> in my defense, I did not have access to that knowledge that it was Power Monday, even though it happens every Monday. I just was not thinking <laughs> of it at that time. I came in. I am so sorry, I apologize. She said, no big deal, and she lied to me, and that's why we're still married. <laughs> I want you guys to think about some of the good decisions you've made and some of the bad decisions you've made, and what perhaps is the difference. So the reason we're in a series called Alchemy of Joy, it's because alchemy is the science of how do you take base or common metals and transform them into something of more value, like gold. And so Paul's writing a letter to the Philippians churches, Jacoby was telling us about, and he wants to take some of the sadness and suffering of our lives and not treat it as something separate or apart from joy, but realize that because of the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that that can lead to joy and significance and contentment in Christ. 
And that's one of my favorite prayers um, uh, that she read. You need to know that if you fill out a prayer tag, you're probably gonna get that prayer prayed over you. This is my prayer, that your love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. So you can be filled with the fruit of righteousness, pure and blameless until the day of Christ, producing a character of righteousness that lets everybody in on the glory and goodness of God. And tonight, just real simply, without trying to be overly simplistic, I think Paul just outlines for us how to have incredible joy in the midst of decision-making. Now, I'm going to give us a visual aid because I don't know about you. Sometimes when I'm reading scripture, I like to diagram it out and see a visual representation of how the words and the contents flow together. And so in that prayer, what Paul just simply did is he said, I pray that your love would abound more and more in knowledge. Oh, Lord, I'm not spelling right right now. Help me. Knowledge of spelling. There we go. I knew I'd find it. And understanding. so that you may be able to discern what is best. Pretty simple, right? Knowledge, understanding, make a decision that is best. There's one translation, figure out what matters most in life and do those things. Now, in in the Greek, some of the context of these words may be helpful for us. Let me do a different color just because it's so much fun. Knowledge here is referring predominantly in the New Testament to God or how you make ethical decisions. The word here for understanding is more along the lines of discernment. And it comes from a word that tests metals for their genuineness. So you ever seen in the old Westerns or whatever, someone hands them a gold coin, what do they do? Bite it, why? Because they wanna test to see if it's real gold or if it's actually been, you know, leaded down in its inferior quality. So that's understanding. What I just received, I need to test to make sure that this is actually what it says it is. And then best is an incredible word where it's literally talking about carrying the weight. Based off what I know and understand, can I make a decision that will carry the weight of what matters most in life? So here's where you and I get into trouble, or I'll go first, how about just me? I think a lot of times when we make decisions, one, we really don't have any intentional gospel-led process that leads our decisions. Oftentimes, again, you and I were either paralyzed with fear and anxiety or false narratives or woundedness that somehow sabotages even our best efforts. Have you ever looked back over your life and went, why do I keep making that relationship decision? Wow, why do I continue to make bad financial decisions? Why does it seem that there's a continuing pattern in my life? Or is there sometimes where you just kind of make decisions, you'll figure it out, you'll just work your way out of it. You'll try your best to make your things work because the last thing you want to do in this world is be proven wrong or look foolish or unintellectual. But here's what happens uh, that's happened to me a couple of times in my life. We're supposed to have our love that increases in knowledge and understanding so we can make a decision that determines what is best so that we can carry the way that out. Usually we're good at one or two of these things, but usually there's an area of weakness that we sometimes cover up and overcompensate for. So here's what it looks like when you're just good at knowledge 
um, and uh, carrying the weight out of your own decisions. Hey God, here's what I think that you're telling me and here's what I'm going to do about it. And you don't bring any sort of understanding, discernment or anyone else inviting in on the process with it. This oftentimes leads to rebellion in your life. Because here what I, as I used to do, I would think that I heard from God and here's the decision I need to make. And then I would come to other people, do you understand the decision I just made? And if they would question it, I thought they were questioning my knowledge about God and I wouldn't submit to anything that they had to say. And a lot of times you gotta be wary. I believe hearing the voice of God is your birthright as a child of God, but be very wary of people who say, God told me this and this is what I'm doing and you cannot question it. Uh, especially be wary if they offer you some Kool-Aid after that because that's how cults start. So let's, let's, let me just give you some context here. Uh, we'll get to that, okay. Sometimes we're great at knowledge and understanding, but we stink at pulling the trigger, right? We're, we're the type of people who I just wanna think and pontificate and research, and I wanna talk about, well, this could go wrong, or this could go wrong, or this could go wrong, and this could go wrong, or this could go wrong. And then someone's finally like, make a decision. And you're like, no, 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 let's not rush the process, okay? So unfortunately, what the temptation here that this leads to sometimes is hypocrisy. You know and understand something, you just don't act on it. That's why James, the brother of Jesus says, faith without works is dead. And this is the spirit of religiosity a lot of times that Jesus is attacking. You've heard the law of Moses, but yet your hearts are far from him. And then there's some, uh, let me give you an example of this. Um, my father-in-law, uh, when he was still alive, Popsicle, he was a lifelong runner and a lifelong pharmacist. I don't know, 40 years pushing pills. I mean, it was muscle memory for him. He could tell you all the ingredients, the side effects. I mean, day in and day out, he was a pharmacist. He knew all that stuff. Well, one time we decided to run a marathon together, which I don't think we added any of this to that decision. <laughs> What's the worst thing that we could do that we know nothing about? And I understand this. Yes, let's run a marathon. And so um, we get there, it's, it's, it's race day. And so we're driving and we pull off at the gas station before we get to the race. I go in and I buy like nine bottles of water because I'm an overhydrator. That joker goes straight to the cappuccino machine. Now, I'm not, you know what the cappuccino machine looks like uh, at a gas station? It's not good. It's powdered mix with lots and lots of sugar. He gets a large. We have not eaten breakfast. Well, I have, he hasn't. And then he pops a blood pressure pill. <laughs> and he's about to run the longest distance he ever has in his life in his 60s. So <laughs> he comes across the finish line, passes out, turns white, and we spend the rest of the time celebrating the fact that we both completed a marathon in the ER while he tells the nurses all the reasons why he shouldn't have taken his blood pressure pill that day. He has plenty of knowledge and understanding. He just didn't apply it. That's why I say doctors sometimes make the worst patients. Why? Because you're so arrogant in your knowledge and understanding. That applies to everyone but me, right? Some of us are Christians like that. We know all the right answers and we have all the right answers for everybody else. Yet there is no power or authority or evidence or joy in our own lives. Then you come down here and if 
you're just going off of understanding and discerning what's best, but there's no knowledge of God. There's no submission to his sovereignty. What this oftentimes leads to is idolatry. Or as we like to call it today, addiction. Why do I say that? Because without the proper place of God in your life, something else will become God. And it'll promise you something in the end, not only will it rob you of the very thing it promised you, it will enslave you in the process. I have had so many conversations over the past couple of weeks with people around the area of their sexuality. And I understand this, that the biblical sexual ethic is difficult. Following Jesus is tough. And having conversations with people who are struggling personally or family members, time and time again, what happens is when it comes to our sexuality, what we understand is what we feel and that we want to satisfy it. So therefore I discern this is the best way to get my needs met regardless of what the knowledge of God tells me about that. And what oftentimes this leads to is more loneliness and desperation and isolation and addiction than when they first started in the first place. I understand I got truckloads of compassion for people who are caught in that cyclical pattern, but I wonder what it would look like if they would submit this underneath the knowledge of God. And go, Father, from what I know about you and what I understand about you, you are good. And the ways that you have decided for us to live are best for us, even if we can't yet see them. And I want to be filled with the fruit of righteousness and pure and blameless on the day of Christ. Not because I'm perfect, but because I trusted the process that you gave me to live life by. So my simple question for you guys tonight is, which one of these is an area that you need the Lord to develop in your life, that you need to decide to intentionally move into. If it's knowledge, man, ask the Lord for an insatiable appetite for scripture. I was talking to the team beforehand. Um, in my late 20s, I loved God, but I had a difficult time experiencing and learning from him through his word. And I just prayed, Lord, would you just give me an unstoppable curiosity to learn about who you are? What I really wanted was intimacy, but I knew that I had to figure out a way to start to consistently spend time with him in his word. A question maybe for you is, what are the decisions that you make on a daily basis to increase your knowledge of God? Are you someone that someone comes to that they can trust about your knowledge of God when they've got a decision or a question? And if not, what steps do you need to take? Now, again, we don't, I, I don't think God's calling everyone to be Bible scholars. What I do think he's calling us to is, can we be men and women who truly know God? Like I get around you and man, it just seems like you've spent time with Jesus and you know him in a way that I want to know him more. Um, for understanding, uh, this is also another way that you could do this is revelation, interpretation, and application. When it comes to understanding, Paul's plans for the Philippians and God's plans for us is that understanding and discernment would always be done in the context of consistent community. 
This was not meant to be an isolation exercise. Uh, if this is where you struggle, this is what you say to yourself most times, I'll just figure it out myself. But what does it look like to have men and women that you consistently surround yourself, that hear God's story and hear your story and help give you appropriate insight and discernment into how God might want to interpret his word and his will in your life in any particular circumstance. This is incredible for me because the more I get around a small group of people and we choose to invite the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you he will begin to reveal truth. And then discerning what is best carrying the weight, sometimes we just need to figure out a system where we have encouragement and accountability to actually do the things that God has told us to do. So I love our Bible reading groups. One of the questions is, I will statements for the next week. And you've heard me say this a hundred times and I'll say it a hundred more. If you're not in consistent gospel community, please do so. It doesn't have to be with us, but please make a decision to make sure that one of the rocks in the river of your life is I will surround myself with the people of God so that I can hear their life and they can hear my life and we can keep each other accountable and encouraged to step out and live the life God is calling us to do. Some of us just think we need more knowledge and understanding and perhaps what God is saying is I'm actually waiting for you to do the last thing that I told you to do. So that's an area. Now, here's what you're gonna need if you've identified the area that you struggle with. I just wanna see if I can get a new color in. I don't know, no, I think I'm out. If knowledge is what you struggle with, ask for humility. Just humble yourself, cry out to God. I wanna learn more and know more about you. Access resources and people that'll give you an incredible a desire to go, oh, that's who you are. Well, what about this, 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 and this? And find ways and resources and people and make patterns and intentional space in your life for this to happen. This doesn't happen by accident, by the way. It has to start with a commitment. If it's understanding, I think what you really need here is surrender. Because what that will attack the heart of is our narcissistic and individualistic society, which just goes, I decide what's best for me and I make it happen. That's great for the American dream. I just think it's counterintuitive to the kingdom of God. And then for best, I think what you need here is faith. Why do I say faith? I think that's the courage to actually do what you know to be true and have understood to apply in your life. This is Peter, right? He's actually, what he knows about God when he's in the boat in the storm and sees Jesus Christ say, I am the revealed name of God walking on the water. In that moment, he understands that if God is Jesus and he can do it and I'm following him, perhaps I can do it too. And he steps out and he begins to carry the weight and the courage of his decision. But then he looks at the wind and the waves and he can no longer bear the weight of the decision of faith to step out. And what does Jesus say to him when he gets him back into the boat? Ah, oh, you have little faith. 
There's so much more to be had in this life if you will step out in faith and watch my gravity put steps right in front of you. So which one do you think that you need? That's as simple as I can make it. I would love for us to rediscover the joy of the process of making decisions with God and with community. And here's the deal, men and women, obedience is your responsibility. The results are God's responsibility. Isn't that freeing? Now, what is the one thing that I left out that totally misinterprets the text that we read tonight? All of this was based on the fact that your love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best or what matters most in life. For Paul elsewhere, he's going to say sometimes love surpasses knowledge. And it is possible, men and women, for you to do all of these things to perfection and have not love, and then you have religion. You're so proud that you're perfect, but you'd rather be right than good. And there's no love for God or love for people. Have you ever been around someone that just makes your skin crawl? Because they're right and they're perfect and they make every decision, yet the way that they lord it over you is absolutely devoid of love. Paul would say elsewhere, that's a noisy cymbal or a clanging gong. It's empty and it's hollow. What that needs to be filled with, what that needs to overflow with is a love for God and a love for people that seeks to sacrifice and serve. Amen. So let's take 120 seconds. And I just want you to identify which area is God drawing your eyes to and say, yes, child, that's where I want us to decide together to grow. Is it knowledge? And if it is, humbly cry out to God and say, God, would you give me an increasing love for you and other people so that I can know more about you and how to serve you? Is it understanding? Would you surrender your schedule and your fears and take the first step or the 10th step towards discovering consistent gospel community where you can interpret the word of God into the will of God for you and for other people? Or is it actually acting? and stepping out on what God's best for you is. I got a sneaking suspicion that there's some of you in here tonight that there's a decision that you've been avoiding that God's already confirmed that you're supposed to do. Would you pray for the faith? Would you just pray, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Father, would you give me the faith to follow you even in the midst of the unknown outcomes? Because I want joy restored back to my decision-making process. I want the joy of knowing the outcome's up to you. Obedience is just my opportunity to see you show off again.